Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48. Kirk Franklin says, love a word that comes and goes. Please stand to your feet. But few people really know what it really means or what it means to really love somebody. Love though the tears may fade away. I'm so glad your love will stay. Because I love you and you show me, Jesus, what it really means to love. The word of the Lord, Matthew 5, 43. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and do what? And hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be able, or that you may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh the Son, his Son, his Son, to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans do? Let's read verse 48 together. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Before you take your seat, and before I say a word of prayer, we're sharing today on, I'm pursuing pure love. Look at somebody and just tell them, I'm pursuing pure love. I am pursuing pure love. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, again we call upon you in the name of Jesus Christ as we ask you to open our minds and our hearts to receive this word. We need you. Father, we need you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. First Corinthians 13 and verse 13 says, But now abide faith, hope, love, or charity, as it says in the King James. These three, but as good as faith is, as necessary as hope is, the greatest of these three is love. Everybody say love. No man, say it like a Valentine's Day, love. <laughs> as I said earlier, the, the history of this Valentine's Day, said Valentine's Day, is, is still shrouded in mystery. And there's, when you search it, when you research it, you can't even find exactly any one particular definition. There seems to be three different St. Valentine's in the Catholic order and tradition. And so it's, it's okay. It doesn't matter. What, what, what we do is because... It's the day when the focus is on love. 
and Paul just said the greatest of the three things that remain, love, hope, and charity, and, 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 and faith. He says the greatest of these three is love. So we go along with it. We go along with it. And on Valentine's Day, a lot of people go out to eat. On Valentine's Day, a lot of people expect gifts, teddy bears, and um, chocolate, and all kinds of wine, and yeah. And so, it's, it's a part of the culture. It's a part of the culture. Love. Look at somebody and ask them, how is your love life? How is your love life? What you said, you don't have any? Who said you don't have any? I mean, if you ask that question, some people say, what love life, Bishop? I mean, I have no love life. Some would say, oh, my love life is great. Some would say, and you'd be surprised, even, even married couples, if they be honest, some of them would tell you, oh, but Bishop, it kind of, you know, it's not so hunky-dory right now. It's, we're hanging in there. We're hanging in there. There is a couple that wasn't doing too well. And hard time reached them, financial problems. And you know, as Bishop used to say, when poverty creeped through the door, love jumped out of the window. Am I speaking here? God bless his memory for the wisdom he shared with us before the Lord took him. So this couple was having financial problems. And it so happened that one day they went out or she went out and she got arrested for shoplifting in the States. So, you know, she went to court and the judge says, ma'am, you are arrested for shoplifting. What happened? She said, your honor, I stole a can of peaches. The judge says, and why did you do that? She said, your honor, I was hungry. The judge said, well, how many peaches were in the can? She said, six, your honor. He said, okay, six peaches, six days in jail. And he was about to slam his gavel. The husband jumped up and said, Your Honor, I have something to say. And he says, What is that, sir? He says, Your Honor, she also stole a large can of peas. So, six peaches, six days in jail. How many peas in a large can of peas? A couple hundred, not true. I guess he must have really loved her, man. He wanted her to go do prison ministry, you know. How is your love life? Let me share with you a summary of 1 Corinthians 13. Paul was actually saying to the church at Corinth and by extension us when he said, though I speak the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am nothing. Number one, without love, all I say is ineffective. Without love, all I know is incomplete. Without love, all I believe is insufficient. Without love, all I give 
is insignificant. And finally, without love, all I accomplish is inadequate. That's what Paul was saying. In summary, though I give my body to be burned, though I feed the poor, if I don't have love, I am nothing at all. Nothing. And so we talk about love on Valentine's Day. But do we really understand love? Do we really have a clear definition of what it is? Everybody's talking about it. Because as far as the apostle was concerned, true love is important to a marriage. True love is important to any relationship, mother, father, um, mother, son, father, daughter, anything. Even a church. If as a church we don't have true love, that's like trying to play a football game without a football. Yeah, you can run and kick all you want, but there's no ball. So it's really not football. You're mimicking. You are pretending. And if we don't have love, true love, real love, as a church, we're just mimicking. We're just pretending. Amen? Amen, somebody? We're just pretending. And so love on Valentine's Day, the Lord has led me to talk about pursuing pure love. In other words, how can we love as God loves? How can we have the God kind of love in our hearts and in our lives since we claim that we are Christians and we are Christians because we belong to Christ but then God is love and so by extension Christ is love so Christians are love and must demonstrate it and must show it so we're going to talk about what the Bible says is this indispensable quality that every Christian must have if they are to be pleasing to the Lord, if they are to do his will, if they are to carry out the message. And what a wonderful love feast we had a few minutes ago. Hmm? What a love feast. This. This was a feast because this feast of the bread and the wine speaks to us of the love that Jesus has, not had, but still has in his heart for the church. And every time we partake of, man, I wish it could be every Sunday. Because, you know, and some, some churches do it every day. You can go there on the way to work and have communion and just go on to work every day. The Bible didn't tell you how often to do it. So every day is not too often. Five times a day is not too often. It says, as often as you do it, you show forth his death until he comes. So I don't know who might feel daily would be too much, weekly would be too much, monthly. Some churches do it once a year. And you can't really fight them because although it seems sparse and few and far between, the Bible says as often as you do it, once every 10 years, technically they wouldn't be wrong. But, but I think the purpose of it and what it reminds us of and the fact that we need to be reminded about his death as something to prod us to make sure we stay online and stay focused. At least once a month, 
sounds good to me. And like I say, it could even be every, every, every week. So, we're going to be looking at how we can love as God loves. And I'm taking my time because I know you're taking notes. <clears throat> yeah, I just know you're taking notes. So I'm taking my time. I'm not rushing you. I'm giving you time to type and to get your pen and your papers out. Amen? This message on Valentine's Day is designed to set the tone and help to communicate what I believe God would have us to be aware of right now during this time. Lest we get caught up in the commercialization of a day of love, which is more a day of commerce, business and trade, and what some people call love. So, let us understand right from the beginning. As we look together and see what it is about the love of God and the way that God loves. That if we begin to pattern that, that if we begin to emulate that, that if we begin to employ that kind of love in our lives, the Spirit of God will teach us what it really means to love. Can somebody say amen? So may the Lord come and move us today. Father, please open our minds just to receive what it is you're saying to the church today. Pour in us, download in our spirits how we should love as you love. In Jesus' name. And so, the author of the book of Corinthians, Paul, was a missionary. He was an evangelist and really a pastor at heart. Paul had all the gifts, all of the nine gifts. And we know there are some 28 spiritual gifts, including the nine. It's not just the nine, but all of those nine, he had all of them. Awesome apostle. Awesome man of God. And by the way, notice that he had, he, had, <laughs> he had a thorn in the flesh. And three times he sought God. You would think that a man who had all the gifts wouldn't have no sickness. And if him gets sick, bam. One prayer and it just shoo. Three times. First time, no answer. Second time, no answer. Third time, no answer. And God got an answer but the answer was Paul my grace is sufficient for you stop worrying yourself about that you can do what you have been purposed to do even with the thorn in your flesh so some of us are looking for deliverance and looking for a change and God is saying stop worrying about that you can accomplish your purpose even with whatever is going on in your life. And so, from years of his walking with God, we can conclude today that he believed that the greatest ingredient of all that a church could ever have was the ingredient of love. Agree? That's what he said. There is faith, there is hope. Of all of these things, there remains three. But the greatest of these is love. And so track with me now as we continue. Because as I said, if you're going to have church without love, it's like playing a game without the, 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 the ball or whatever, the bat. So watch the kind of love that God wants us to have. How many of you? used to or still well, I don't know if it's still on American Idol it's one of those television shows that um, a lot of people used to watch how many used to watch it or know that you never watch American Idol you know about it okay 
Um, so in about 2008, there was a young lady who entered and her name was Mandisa Huntley. She was a heavy set woman, meaning she weighed about maybe 300 pounds. And when she came on the stage, Simon, how many of you remember Simon? <laughs> Simon is always, you know, the one to watch. Simon made a very sarcastic remark. Simon questioned, he said, so do we have a bigger stage this year? When she entered the room, those days, they would sing and go and come back. When she entered the room to learn the judge's verdict of whether she would go on to the next round or she would be cut from the show, Mandisa looked at Simon straight in the eyes and she addressed him. This is what she said. She said, Simon, a lot of people want me to say a lot of things to you. But this is what I want to say to you. Yes, you hurt me. And I cried. It was very painful. It really was. But I want you to know that I have forgiven you. And that you don't need to apologize to someone in order to forgive someone and I figured that if Jesus could die so that all my sins and wrongs could be forgiven I can certainly extend that same grace to you I just wanted you to know that Randy you remember Randy the black judge Randy said amen Simon got up and apologized to her this is 2008, went over and hugged her. And then she heard and learned that she qualified to go on to the next, next round. I was doing a little research on her. They, they claim that her net worth now is three million US dollars. Got some recording contract and what have you. I don't know where she would have learned to forgive like that. Maybe it was in a Sunday school class. Maybe it was in a Bible study. Maybe it was in a Sunday sermon. Maybe it was just being in church. Maybe her grandmother took her. I don't know. But she had this grace. Because let me tell you something. If I did some own, you know, when I'm not done with Simon, you know, him wagging tail and just have a walk away, you know. That's the truth. I mean, some people can cuss, you know. Not true. You sit down there looking at me like this. I mean, when so I'm not talking anybody in this church. I know nobody in this church. Nobody in this church does that. I'm talking the church down the road. Because not even sinners me talking about. No, I'm talking about saints. Born again. Spirit filled. Tongue talking. Fire baptized. When them go for trace you. God help you. And brethren, come on, can we talk? Can we talk? Can we talk? We're talking about love. We're talking about love. How to love as God loves. Suppose God was a tracer. <laughs> eh? Suppose God was a tracer, elder. And every time we blow it, every time we don't do what we're supposed to do, him trace it. Every time when we, we, we who are after other gods and going after other pleasures. Suppose God was to tell we a peace in mind. Brethren, all I can tell you is you know, don't make some Christian tell you a piece of their mind. Don't let them give you a piece of their mind. Because God help you when they're done with you. So, you might, you come to the door. And because of the protocols of the COVID virus, everybody has to wear a mask. And the poor sister or brother who is there assisting you taking your temperature and you know they say you don't have one a mask and they say god bless you sis do you have a mask i 
man may forget that I want to know this a massing. Hello. Where you say you're going, church, is here you're going our coronation. Because even if it's coronation market, you're going. If you are a child of God, your attitude stinks. Not even as a child of God, because you don't have to be saved to have the right attitude. And that's just one example. And people give the ushers a hard time in this church sometimes. Lord, I don't know how you ushers put up with them, but the grace of God is upon you, and I pray for you. Now I'm telling you, same thing with the parking lot. I tell you all the time, a little parking lot attendant might tell you, don't park here. And you say, well, I'm not moving. Well, go ahead, park there. There's a pit right there. And you might just drop in the pit and feel at home. How to love as God loves. You all still love me? <laughs> Can I preach? Amen. So, we have to, you see, I have learned by being in church, I, I have learned more things on accident than on purpose. Preacher preaching on little boy, as you know, music over race course to church over there, so I play marble in a race course while my father preached. And one day, Sister Daisy tell him, Lord help me, draw off the belt right in the churchyard. In pants nearly drop off to and all that, but it's, it's just the grace of God. But when I'm sitting in church or Sunday school, I hear things that I wasn't even intending to hear, but it stick. And so some things are caught and some things are taught. I don't know where that singer learned to forgive like that. But how many of us understand that that is the God kind of love? When they hate you, when they say all manner of evil against you falsely, for his name's sake. You've got to learn how to respond. To love as God loves, you must allow Jesus Christ to do these three awesome works of grace in your life. Write them down. Number one, you must allow Jesus Christ to transform your traditions. Number two, I'll repeat them, don't worry. Secondly, you must allow Jesus Christ to widen your witness. And number three, you must allow Jesus Christ to perfect your purpose. Number one, transform your traditions. Number two, widen your witness number three perfect your purpose and then and only then when you allow the Lord to do these things in your life can you love as God loves because if you are to love as God loves you have to allow him to transform your traditions you have to allow him to transform your thoughts, the way you think. The mindset that you have, which has been built from you were a kid. From you were a kid. Maybe we weren't as articulate as your children now. Those of you that have young children, don't they just blow your mind with what they say and the phrases they have and the state statements they make and the sentences they make? Yeah. We grow up with a mindset, a way of thinking. And sometimes it is stinking thinking. Pardon me, but it's the truth. Christians, believers, have some ways to think. Have some ways to think. Have some things to say. Have some belief systems that is as ungodly as the devil himself. But that's all we are. Because we heard things and we build up a kind of mindset. 
If we are going to love the way God loves, we will have to allow him. Notice, you know, I didn't say God will have to transform our traditions. We will have to allow him. We will have to say, Father, you have permission. God, I give you permission to take my thoughts and transform them into your thoughts. Father, I give you permission to change the way I think. Because God is not some kind of, you know, oppressive dictator. You're going to do it my way or the high. No. Whosoever will, let him come. And when you come, even though you said yes, he's still allowing you to make choices. But every choice you make has consequences. And so in today's text, Jesus is dealing with people who had a hard time letting the word of God be their number one source of authority for life. And this is our confrontation today. Do you allow the word of God to be your final authority in life? Or do you allow your mindset, your thinking? Remember, you know, brethren, the Bible says our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. So it's a counterculture when we come in the kingdom of God. The ways of God are counter to the ways of man. And this is what the Pharisees were doing. This is what they were doing, you know. Their problem could be summed up this way. They were changing the word of God to line up with their desires instead of letting the word of God change them toward God's desires. And you can't do that. I mean, you can do it, but it would never be right. And God would never accept it. Never. Look right here in verse 43. Can you put it back up, my brother? Matthew 5, verse 43. This is what they said. You have heard that it was said. Notice, you know, Jesus is saying, you have heard. This is the mindset you have developed. This is what you grew up hearing. This is what is being banded around the place. You have heard it said that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Where did that come from? Nowhere in the Bible it says that. Nowhere. So what they were doing is they were changing the word of God, inserting something that's not there, taking out what is there to suit their own carnal ways. Jesus is referring here to the teaching of the Pharisees and the scribes. Their teaching was not in line with the word of God. And so, if, if you want to know what the word says, it's in Leviticus 19 and verse 18. It says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's what the word says. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all of a sudden now it goes from love your neighbor as yourself to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. See, you, see, you see how trickified the devil is? The word says love your neighbor as yourself. But they leave out the as yourself part and put in and hate your enemy. Because that is more suitable to what they want to do. That is more suitable to how they want to live. The devil is a liar. We cannot do that. We cannot accept that. And if today we do not accept the word of God as our final authority, if today we do not accept the word of God as what we stand on and what guides our decisions, we are making the same mistake as the Pharisees made. We are doing the same thing that the Sadducees did. The Pharisees did not want to love everyone as Jesus commanded. They only wanted to love their own community. They only wanted to love their own nation. They only wanted to love their own kind. And we tend to be like that too, you know, brethren. Let me show you. 
I know because of the restriction now, people don't just come in as they like. But before the pandemic, and when the pandemic is gone, so you're at church, and you come sit down in your seat, and somebody walk in who is in dirty clothes, stink. Let's just talk up the things. Stink. Smell like him not bed for two days or two weeks. And dirty. And come sit down right beside you. What would you do? What would you do? No, honestly. Worse if you're in a nice white outfit. And almost touching you. And you see the grease and the dirt and the grime and the slime. And you're smelling it. What would you do? You would get up and go somewhere else. Not true. Make up your face and all. Hold your nose. I want to the madman here, man. Every man, madman come sit down beside me. After I come for worship, Jesus, this man come mess up my worship this morning. See him, sir. Is that what Jesus would do? <laughs> so how are you going to love as God loves if you would get up? What if you had gotten up and said, my brother, please come with me. Have you had anything to eat since morning? Let me take her around the kitchen. Take him around which kitchen, Bishop? Valentine's Day. You know. <laughs> What if him did come on Valentine's Day and say, hey, you can't take me to dinner with him this evening. <laughs> you know, say, hold on now, hold on now. We'll let you in the church. That's as far as you can go. But you won't go home with me. You must be mad. Many know if you have the virus. But this is before the pandemic. <laughs> but my point is, we want to love people who look like us. We want to love people who dress like us. We want to love people who smell like us. But rather than doing what God would have done. Hmm? You remember the good Samaritan? Come on, I'd have to go into it. One pass and look on the other side and go on to it. One go over and look and say. Hmm. The one that passed on the other side, you know, didn't even look. Because when you look and you see a need and you don't respond, you are responsible. If you see your brother in need and you shut up your bowels of compassion you do not have the love of God in you and on me says so Bible says so but the good Samaritan came and did what? picked him up a blood blood and blood up you know how much are you with your nice car? all them new keys were blessing God bless you but you're driving and you see somebody bloody lick down hit and run Bleeding all over. You going to take him up and throw him on your back seat? Come on, Bishop. You wouldn't do that either, Bishop. Hey, I'm just pushing you. I'm just pushing you. We can change a car seat, but we can't give back life to somebody. Are you with me? How to love as God loves? You got to do what the good Samaritan did. Took him up and put him on his ass. And took him to the inn and said, take care of him here. Here is some money. If you spend more than this, I will repay you when I return. But the Pharisees said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. I, I don't want to keep it too long today. Let me move along. There's a lot more I could develop on all of these points. But Proverbs 25 verse 21 to 22 says, if your enemy is hungry, give him what? Bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him what? Water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head. And the Lord will reward you. So you want, how many of you want a reward from the Lord? How many of you want God to bless you? That's the same thing as saying, the Lord will bless you. How I'm talking to you. How many of you want a blessing from God? Raise your hands. You need a blessing from God. Notice one of the ways you can guarantee a blessing. Give water to those who are thirsty. Give bread to those that are hungry. 
as a church, we gave out care packages and we still do. But we can't afford to stop. Okay, not just about the pandemic. Every day there are people we pass who have not had a hot meal for a whole week. People eating out of the garbage bin. I wonder how in the world they do it. Because this is gross, but you know, if you throw half a hamburger in a garbage thing after three days, what's going to take it up? You know, I don't want to go there, man. It's, it's, it's gross. It's, 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 but there are people who are glad to see that and take it and shake them off and eat it. And we drive to church. I was glad when they said unto me, how do you love as God loves? Yeah, I saw him, Bishop, but I was running late on Sunday school start. And you're running late? That was your assignment. If you had to go to Burger King, if you had to go to the gas station and buy a raisin bread and piece of cheese and a box of milk or something and go back. If you're late for Sunday school, it's all right. How do we love as God loves? You have to allow him to transform your traditions. Let's move on. The time is far spent. God has commanded you and I as followers, as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are to love everyone. We cannot pick and choose whom we will love. Amen? Amen, somebody. And so, God is the supreme king. And his law is unchangeable. The royal law is this. Romans 13 verse 8. Oh, no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So I'm to love people whether they look like me. Whether they think like me. Whether they come from where I come from. Whether they are in my class or not. I am to love them. Do you know that many of the mad people we call mad on the road are university graduates who hard time reach and just, they, 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 they're, just, they're just, they're just going through some stuff, became homeless. And they're there and you think is a madman. That man brighter than me and you put together. But sometimes it's just circumstances. And you must always say, there go you and I, except for God's grace. Except for God's grace, you and I could be eating out of the garbage bin this morning. Except for God's grace, you and I could be living under a bridge somewhere. Except for God's grace, there go you and I. Hallelujah. Somebody lift your hands and praise God. Glory be to God. How do you love as God loves? God has to do these three things. He has to transform your traditions. Number two, he has to widen your witness. And when you look at what the word of God says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Not just love your enemies, but bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. What is? It's a complete paradigm shift. A complete 180 degree turn. Your mindset has to change. Your witness now has to be widened. The vision of your unseen eye has got to be widened so you can see what God sees. So you can feel what God feels so you can do what God does because he has changed your perspective. Somebody put your hands together and praise God. <laughs> brethren, brethren, one of our greatest witnesses for Jesus is not always with our lips. No, we can say anything because Mount make for talk. It's not always with our lips. But it's with our confidence in Christ, our joy in the Lord, as we endure difficult times and difficult people, we allow God to use us for his purpose and for his glory. It's not just about what you say, it's about what you do. 
We can say anything. We can dress up anyway and come looking good, smelling good. But are we loving the way God loves? Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship him, somebody. Father, we thank you today. We bless your name. We honor you on this day of love. We want to love the way you love. Because you said, blessed are they. Blessed are you when men shall revive you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you for my sake. You said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is our reward in heaven. Hallelujah. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before them. Notice Jesus didn't say get all depressed and get ticked off and get upset when people revile you and persecute you. No. He said rejoice. Oh yes. Ah, rejoice. How can you rejoice when people are backbiting you? How can you rejoice when people are dragging your name in the mud? How can you rejoice when people are saying all manner of evil against you? You rejoice because you know that your name is on the Lamb's book of life. You rejoice because you know it's because of who you are. It's because of the anointing on your life while they're doing it. Stop being so thin-skinned. Some people have a fragile sense of their person. And as somebody says something, my God, they get upset and don't come back to church for three months. The devil is a liar. You've got to know who you are and whose you are. You're on the Lord's side and they persecuted the Lord. Jesus alone is not going to bear the cross. There is a cross for you. There is a cross for me. We've got to bear our own crosses. And some of your suffering and calling it crosses is not crosses, crosses. You're going through crosses because of your disobedience. But it's not the cross why you're suffering. But when you are on the right side, when you are loving the way God loves, oh yes. You will have to carry a cross. So stop having a pity party over that foolishness, over what they said. Don't worry about it. Give God the glory. Praise God anyhow. They're talking about your back. You know they're talking you because they were talking. And as soon as you come close, they change the subject. And they start smiling like a hypocrite smile. The devil is a liar. Don't even call them hypocrite. Just bless them. I saw the words say you for do. Just pronounce a blessing. Don't bother say, eh, hey, me know me you're talking. You, know. you see all you. Don't bother with that. No, 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 no. Leave that alone. Just begin to bless God and bless them. And God will highly exalt you. Can somebody praise the Lord? The way of the world is different from the way of the cross. The way of the world is different from the way of the church. The world says, love them that love you. But the church and the word of God says, love them that hate you. Do good to them. My God, that curse you. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? God's standard of love is love those who hate you. And so, let me get to my final point today so we can close. Because the Bible teaches us four kinds of love. Four kinds of love. The first love that the Bible talks about is eros. E-R-O-S. This is a kind of love that is a kind of, it, it comes from passion. It comes from infatuation. It comes from sexual attraction. And, and, and brothers and sisters, let us be careful not to mistake eros for the right kind of love, which we will touch on in a couple of seconds. But eros is one of the four kinds of love that the Bible talks about. Make a note of it if you don't have it already. Because this kind of love is, is just flesh. It's just all about the flesh. It's just all about what feels good. If the world says, if it feels good, do it. And, and so, uh, you know, eros is okay if it's within the confines of marriage. Because it's not just a sexual attraction to somebody that you're not committed to. If you're committed to a spouse... You better have some sexual attraction. If you're committed to a spouse, you better have some passion for that spouse. But a lot of people today are just dwelling in eros. They're walking in eros. They are living in eros. And everything is erotic. 
That's where the word erotic comes from. And watching erotic movies and, and participating in erotic activities. But you've got to know that leads straight to hell if it is not done within the confines of marriage and a committed relationship. And so even on Valentine's Day, can I take a second here? I know I'm rushing to finish, but I've got to say to our young people, my young people, my young people, and even older people too, you've got to understand, it's not everybody that says they love you really love you oh my god i wish i had time don't be fooled by that young man telling you about he loves you he knows that's what you want to hear and when you hear that he say oh god himself love me and your, your knees start buckle and you get weak and you have butterflies in your stomach and you start think oh my god I wonder if this could be him. The devil is a liar. All he wants is to get in your pants. All he wants is to jump in bed with you. You better hear me. I am a man. And even as a bishop and a pastor, I go through those struggles too. And I have to control myself. Come on, somebody. Don't let nobody fool you. He doesn't love you. He just wants you. And it's not just the boys and the girls these days. Boys wanting men wanting men and women wanting women. The devil is a liar. We've got to take a stand. How do you love as God loves? you got to avoid errors in the negative way. And let me say to our young men in the church, there is a tendency to fool the young girls because we know there tends to be uh, more girls than boys and, and, and we, we feel that, you know, we can play the field. The devil is a liar. Young girls... Any, any man in this church that is messing with you and has no intention to marry you, you watch yourself and be careful. And if they don't stop it, report them. Come to me, come to one of the elders uh, and do something. And God forbid if it's one of the elders, and I know it's not. I'm just saying, I'm just covering all the... If it's the bishop, if I am messing with you, then go to my bishop. Her name is Jillian. Lord have mercy. And tell her right away. Tell her, tell her, come on, we, we, have to, we have to pull up our socks. We have to pull ourselves together. We have to get it together. The devil is a liar. We want sons of God to arise with fire in your hands, fire in your mouth, fire in your feet. That's where you need the fire, not in that thing. Too much of you have the fire in that thing. And that is the, oh God, help me in this place today. Can I preach it like I feel it? Can I be real? Do I have any real people in this house today? Too many of our sons of God are playing the field and messing with the young girls in and out of the church. The devil is a liar. And on, on, on Valentine's Day, we, we, we see just parading itself under the name of love. Yes, it's love, but it's eros. So the second kind, I've got to go, the second kind of love the Bible talks about is storge. Love that is a natural affection, the kind of love between like a parent and a child. The love that a family has for one another. The third kind of love is filio. Another word that's derived from filio is Philadelphia. And so it's brotherly love. Oh my goodness, brotherly love. And that's how we should relate to one another, brotherly love. But the fourth kind of love the Bible talks about is agape. And agape love is how we are commanded by Jesus to love. How do you pursue pure love? You have to have the love of God in your heart. The God kind of love. Can somebody say amen? And so as we seek to close today I want you to know that you have got to allow God to perfect purpose in your life first of all you have to allow him my God what did we say number one you have to allow him to do what to do what I can't hear you and number two you have to do what Yes. And number three, you have to allow him to perfect purpose. Let me tell you something. The purpose on your life is not your decision. Your purpose is your discovery. God has already purposed your life. You don't decide. 
what you want to do. Your assignment in life is not your decision. It's your discovery. And when you discover what God has in store for you, when you discover what God has anointed you to do, you get busy with fulfilling that purpose. God is calling us today, my God, to become what he has called us to become but we've got to transform my God our traditions we've got to widen our 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 mission widen the vision of our unseen eyes widen the witness that we are called to and we have got to allow him to perfect the purpose of his own will in our lives. Stand with me, somebody, all over this building because God is calling us to a new kind of love. God is calling us to a new kind of love. God is calling us to a pure love. And as we pursue pure love, as we pursue the pure love, the love of God, I am challenging you this morning even on Valentine's Day to understand the difference between the love that is paraded in the world and the love of God that is spoken of in the word of God. Come on somebody, you've got to transform your thinking. You've got to transform your thoughts. Come on. I know you go through those feelings. You want to cuss somebody out. You want to make it out with somebody that's not your spouse. But in the name of Jesus, control yourself. Look at somebody and tell them, control yourself. The Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about self-control. That's what it boils down to. Somebody lift your hand. Lift your hands and bless him. Sorry for keeping you so long on a special day like today. But I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Jesus. Lift your hands and worship him. Lift your hands and worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift those hands and worship him. Father, we want to love as you love. Where we can love our enemies. We can love those that backbite us. Those that persecute us. Those that say all manner of evil against us. And don't even understand what we've been through. We struggle to come to church and when we come there is somebody who is ready to criticize rather than to uplift. But God, I'm trying to love with your love. And so in the name of Jesus, lift your hands again. Lift them like this. Lift them like this. Hallelujah. Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Till I want, till I want no more. Here's my cup. <laughs> Fill it up and make me. Here's my cup. I live. It up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, 
till I want no more. Here's my cup. Come on, offer it to him. Fill it up and make me whole. Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and pray. It's thirsty. Because, Lord Jesus, when you fill my cup, I will be able to love as you love. When you quench my thirst, I won't be seeking pleasures in the wrong places. When you fill my cup, I will love as you love. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Here's my cup. Fill it up make me whole.